Hello, I'm Peter Ayers, and you're listening to Stages, the podcast that converses World with the World War II gave us writing for Godot and Oklahoma. Without the arts, we are diminished. We had the kind of creative freedom. I was, I was on television as a child, and then I had I was in Cotty's happy hour. She leaned across to me and she said, one day, you know, you'll be doing that. Mind-boggling. They were even lined with purple leather. Uh, went to the ABC and audition. I was so fit at the end of that, you could have ended me in the Melbourne Cup. I, and I still firmly believe that great work can be made in small places. If nobody's going to respect your talent, you've got to respect it. I hope I've been entertaining, that's all. Well, that's very kind of you, Peter. But you are a friend. as are you. Yeah, it's a date. <laughs> it's a date. Hello, I'm Peter Ayers. Welcome to this episode of The Stages Podcast. My guest today is Jim Birch. If you've attended a performance at the Ensemble Theatre in Sydney's Kirribilli, chances are you would have been served a drink by the genial Jim. In July, he celebrated 30 years with the company, an extraordinary accomplishment which has seen Jim become as synonymous with the company as the ensemble signage surrounded in light bulbs that signals the entrance to the theatre. In that time, he has amassed many opening nights and celebrated seasons. He has served the generations of audience that have attended the company and worked alongside a myriad of production personnel who have graced the ensemble theatre as directors, designers, administrators and actors. His wealth of experience and anecdote is the perfect focus in this episode of Stages and a joyous opportunity to celebrate Jim's extensive contribution to the Ensemble Theatre, to audience and to the bonhomie of front of house in theatres through Australia. G'day Jim, it's lovely to see you, albeit we're both in lockdown speaking from our um, our, uh, our homes. Indeed. It's, uh, it is strange and uh, uh, strange times again. Um, I, I, I can't believe it. And it's sort of almost on a day by day, we kind of tune in at 11, don't we, and see where we're going and what we're going to be doing, I suppose. Like, um, I imagine it's a bit like tuning into Winston Churchill on a, a nightly basis. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> yes indeed. Seeing what the, the state of the war is. Yes, that's it. That's it. We shall fight them on the beaches and all of that. Yeah, yeah. It is. It is a bit like that. I've got to say, but I think um, it's kind of made us certainly. I suppose in the arts, it's more. Oh, gee whiz! It's it's like we have to expand to accept a lot of people, and then we've got to contract and expand and contract. Totally understandable why we have to. Um, but being nimble and it, a lot of that does kind of rely on the box office to be to be um that sort of nimble with a subscription base move them around a season you know when when lockdowns come they come fairly rapidly you know we have a sense that they're going to happen but um finding those um opportunities to to um to to, to move our patrons around you know it's difficult yeah yeah that that sort of accordion approach one minute we're 100 percent, and then we're at 50 yeah. 25 yeah. whatever yeah, yeah. And that's it and that's something I suppose artistic directors need to take into account for the future programming. Um, if you know, yeah. if conditions continue as as they are have been. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I suppose, and it's also uh, you know, it's like travel as well. I was saying to someone the other day where we are thinking, you know, if in previous times pre-COVID, 
we could, if we could afford it, get on a plane and off we go, you know. Um, but now we've got to think, well, can we? And if we get there, can we get back and all that sort of thing? There's a whole range, of, you know, let alone whether we can afford it or not and all that yeah. sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah. it's changed those... the whole dynamic. You've got to troubleshoot, don't you, for any <laughs> experience you want to have. Yes, 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 yeah. yes, indeed. Yeah, yeah. It is a bit, um, it's... Yeah, as I say, it's being nimble and being flexible, but and and having Ensemble's got a great team of people, a whole swathe of people to to uh, well a whole swathe. There's the box offices, I don't know, five or six, um, to be able to do that to move people around after they've bought their tickets and after we close or after we reduce capacity and all those things. It's mm, been a real frustra real frustration for folks who work in the arts. I mean, in past times of trauma, whether it be World War or, or depression, the theatre has thrived. You know, people have wanted that escape. But, um, you know, with yeah. this, uh, this COVID at the moment, preventing any sort of uh, communal activity, um, theatre is really yeah. suffering. Yes, yeah, yeah, I agree. I, I, a good good uh, observation there. Yeah, you're right. It, it is... Um, um, yeah, there's different disasters, if you like, that happen that make it difficult or um, impossible to to be in a community other than, you know, Zooming or podcasting indeed. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Mm. I just just mm. then just talking, I remember September 11 too, apparently Broadway went dark for a couple of nights and then opened and just thrived for that, for that time after yeah. September 11 because people just needed to go and have a laugh or, yeah. or take their mind of yeah, what was happening. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, a different a different thing. And in, and indeed, you know, is that in in a in a sort of regular basis, is that what patrons do? You know, when they come to theatre, is that they are? Is it? Is there an element of escapism? Yeah, sure. You know, but I think um, theatre is it's a um, you know it's a it's a an amazing thing. I, I often say when um, uh, when uh, uh, patrons, the ensemble come in. They, um, they, I, I think, or oh, they, this one she, she looks a bit tired. You know, I'm not sure they're going <laughs> to go the distance because I think theatre asks more of an audience. With a film, I, if I go and see a film when I can go and see a film, you know, you can let it wash over you. Whereas theatre, I think it asks, or Broadway, or you know, all those live entertainments. It asks a little bit more of the audience to for their participation, almost unconscious participation, if you like, you know. Yeah. Well, Jim, mm. I, I think, well, I don't think I know. I, I first met you back in 1998 when I did a play at the Ensemble. But you've oh, recently, in the month of July, celebrated 30 years working at the company. That's That's impressive. Congratulations. Well, thanks very much. I can't believe it. But also... There's quite a few, actually. There's about three or four people who would be coming up to about their 30 years at the ensemble. I, I can't believe that it's, um, um, A, that many people, but also um, the longevity of it. It's, it's a, uh, yeah, I can't believe it, 30 years. Strange. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Hayes, Hayes Gordon must have been the artistic director when you started. Uh, he just finished actually. He'd got, um, he was um, just, he was, I think it was about four or five years he'd handed over to Sandra Bates and um, and then she took over from from at that point. So 
Sand, Hayes had gone for a couple of years, but he still directed a couple of plays and was still holding classes in the theatre. I can remember um, when I'd arrive in the evening, the students were just on the way out and um, see them uh, see them on the way out. Yep, all the uh, the um, the young the young actors uh, heading out into the wide world. Did you get to know Hayes very much? I think that, very well. Um. Yeah, well, I think as you get to you, as you you know, see uh, people like that around who have had, who, you know, he started the theatre. It, it's sort of, um, yeah, I did, but it's it was more on a on a observational basis. You know, we would say hello and have a quick chat, and sometimes we talk about painting and and things like that. But um, it, it was he was um, it, it was a, a, a sort of a a friend, you know, going into work, um, uh, into his theatre, if you like. Um, and, yeah, we'd have a quick chat, but that was about it, really. He yeah. was um, more involved in, you know, directing that particular play or um, uh, uh, whipping the uh, young actors into shape, as he would say. Yeah. <laughs> he, he, he's identified as one of those, those giants of the theatre, so it's always nice to sort of ask somebody who had sort of some contact with him, uh, what what he was like, or you know, certainly any other yeah. giants that I'm talking to somebody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, certainly he was instrumental in a lot of people's lives very early on in their creative um, pursuits in re- in regard to text and 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 you know the Stanislavski and all of that, trying to um, um, change and, and I suppose on reflection, change the way theatre was back in the 50s in Australia. Um, He was fairly instrumental, as I say, in a lot of people's lives. And still, I would say he has, you know, there's there's people who work a particular way that I I can observe, I suppose, and and that's one of the pleasures of working in the theatre is that, you know, there's six weeks, we do a play and it's great and it's a bit sad to see it go and then the next play comes and the next group of actors and the next creative team comes and the... Um, there's obviously constants the way through it. There's, um, um, uh, but you know, it's it's that's one of the amazing things is, and, and it's in, in some ways, I think to myself, there's there is hard ways to earn a living, but but watching a play from its beginning, from when the actors are on stage in that first preview with their first audience and a first new Australian play and that actors I can see in their mind, am I in the right costume, saying the right words at the right time sort of thing, that sort of anxiety through to the other end of the play, you know, that fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh preview and then after the opening, how much confident those little nuances that come, as you know very well as an actor, that that you're turning it, I can see the confidence building. So all those nuances that that perhaps the playwright or the collaboration of the whole acting team, if you like, and the creatives are trying to nurture so that the play grows. You know, it's great to be able to see it. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah. Privilege. Well, 30 years is a lot of nights at the theatre and a few matinees as well, you know, in your role as yes. front of house and behind the bar yeah. and all that. Do you get to mm. see much theatre yourself, whether it be at the Not- ensemble or further afield? Yeah, well, since children, probably not, <laughs> because <laughs> I see a lot of at the ensemble, of course. But uh, I don't. Yeah, I try, but um, it's uh, a juggle of time. And uh, yeah, working at the theatre um, in the I'm working when when the other shows are going. But certainly, there's 
if I try and get to see things, but it is usually I'm I'm um, I, what I have found is that I'm I'm doing it a slightly different way, and I'm I'm probably since my time has become either work or home, work and home, I've I've done. It sounds uh, maybe a bit strange, but a sort of research in regard to uh, actually I can get a record of Under Milkwood by Dylan Thomas and I can listen to that. So you find other ways to sort of enter into that world of, of words and, 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 and stories and all that sort of thing. And I think obviously as well now with the way media is, we can I can plug into the Poetry Foundation and listen to you know Yates or or whatever somebody doing a whole bunch of stuff that's it's it's um it's it's great but look um do I see much theatre only really at the ensemble <laughs> yes but but you find ways to get your dramatic fix when you need it yeah that's it that's it that's it yeah and in fact uh, I uh, had a chuckle um, the other day. Uh, in fact I took a photo of a mountain of washing that needed folding and uh, but I could still listen to something whilst I was doing that. <laughs> <laughs> Kill two yeah. birds. I suppose also being able to um, um, go to work and, and but see, see, as I said, that, that transition of a play from the beginning to the, 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 the middle to the end and the availability for us to, like I always hear the play because I can hear it or whether I'm sitting in and watching it, um, which I do quite frequently, but it's um, um, I, I'm, I'm amazed at the amount of people um, that that collaborative process, because I read it, I read a play and I go, yeah, that's funny. And then when it is funny, but it's not hugely funny. But then when I see it and I see it under lights and I see the acting and I see the, the, the whole collaborative process unfolding, if you like, and it's hilarious. It's just, you know, it, it, it does certainly, um, uh, it, it's a bit of, a little bit of, I think, genius for a playwright to be able to highlight something and then, and then the, the acting team and the, and the the creatives, if you like, polishing it up to make it turn it turn it up, sort of mm. thing, you know. But uh, yeah, it's an amazing thing to watch, and yeah, it's great. It's great. So, what were the circumstances that, that brought you to the ensemble? How how did you commence oh. your thirty year journey? Oh golly gosh! Well, I just finished. Um, I I I was oh golly, I was in the navy. I joined the navy at sixteen, and I finished there at 24 and then I went to art school and then I went to worked in graphic design for a while about a year and then that finished and I thought I'd never never really had a holiday so um I was in Kirribilli and I was walking past and I thought oh, I'll I'll see I needed to uh I needed to work because uh you know you could see the bank balance going down so I popped into the theater and I thought oh what's this and I left my name and my number at the box office and said, um, you know, if you've got any work, uh, I just live up the road. And then a couple of days later, um, um, someone rang, I can't remember who it was, rang and said, come down, we've got an afternoon job for you. And uh, it was just stocking the bar in the afternoon for a couple of hours. And I thought, golly, wow, what, what goes on in here? And then um, it was because, you know, growing up in the 70s and 
finishing school in sort of 1980 and, it, it, you know, our, our school excursion was to BHP. It was sort of a different, a different um, uh, the, the, the access, accessibility to the arts was not perhaps at the forefront, although we did go to see a film which was about a kid who sailed around the, uh, around the world. I think it was called The Dove or something like that. Anyway, putting all of that aside, the theatre um, rang and said, uh, come down and stock the bar. So I did that for a couple of months and then, um, um, and then it just sort of grew. It just um, it, it changed and then uh, people changed the, the, the dynamic of the theatre. It changed from there was no front of house manager and then they needed somebody to run the bar and run the upstairs bar and the downstairs bar and then it sort of as it grew I grew as well which was really you know amazing and sort of good timing as well I suppose but um, as things became available I thought oh, I could do that I could do that and and as I learned more about theatre and learned more about um, uh, about things I suppose I, I kind of just on just thinking about it now it was a bit of a niche market because it's it's sort of it is hospitality front of house, but it, it's also in a theatre. It's sort of you're helping look after a theatre if you like, and you're looking after the patrons. and And then there's and then as we were discussing before, there's all the the acting and the and that creative input as well. It's sort of a it's a helping to sort of look after a theatre to to to. And, and it is a bit like a ship, I've got to say. In fact, sometimes I say, welcome aboard. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's your, your Navy background coming to the fore. Yeah, but in a, a lot of the... And, and I suppose also if we start talking about patrons, there's some there's some great patrons who, you know, they've, they've been coming for a long time. And, and, and um, when they say that to me, you know, oh, you've been working a long time. I go, yeah, you must must have been coming a long time. And then, you know, you hear about favourite play, and they hear about their favourite play right under the title of the play, and then I have to go look it up on the computer and go, oh, that was that one, and all of that sort of thing. And and seeing patrons who who go from, you know, they bring their girlfriends to the show, and then it's their wife, and then um, and then you know they may you know a few years later they disappear and then they turn up again after they've had children and then you know and all the very beautiful you know usually ladies who come on those Thursday matinees as you would know um they're so um you know they've been coming to the theater for 100 years and, and they probably came to the theater through an art who would have taken them to the theater in the 1940s or 50s or 60s or something and they're 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 it's almost like a, a habit, that, and but they love coming and they come every time. It's 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 um, amazing. But you know, and there's some of them who who come and say, um, you know, this will be our last time because you know, usually the husband he's very frail or can't do it anymore, and then I won't see the ladies for or see a man for a certain amount of time and they will come back and a couple of years later and say, oh, so-and-so died or and now I've come back to the theatre and all that. It's sort of seeing those people who come from for, for such a long time, you can see them and they see me too probably and go, look at that 
fellow with a grey beard, but who wasn't grey before. But, you know, it's that progression of time of seeing patrons who are coming to see shows regularly and then things change in their life. And sometimes they don't remember how long they're coming and then they equate it to their children and say, well, we started coming when little Joey was five and now he's 25. So they can equate it in those kind of terms. Um, they try and remember the plays and, as I say, but, yeah, look, it's it's amazing to be able to see um, that that whole ecology, if you like, and actors as well, you know. Isn't it great to be able to see what a privilege to see actors who are, you know, emerging, working with people who are, you know, at the latter end of their careers, like, you know, John Gaydon, John Bell, all of these people, and they're acting their craft, and then, but and then you can see a, a generation before working on the same stage and meeting all those, you know, those early in the early days, meeting I suppose people who had that, some actors who had that entrepreneurial thing where they would be selling their book up at the foyer afterwards <laughs> and all that and signing copies yeah. and that sort of gift of the gab actor who, who kind of. You know, I'm thinking, I suppose, of the Warren Mitchells and the you're seeing them who had who had been doing it with, you know, Richard Burton and been doing it with all these people in their background and bringing that to the ensemble in the here and now. And you go, wow, it's quite a history. It's a, and it's, you know, a little theatre by the harbour. It's amazing. It's great. Yeah. 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 I'd never really thought of the unique vantage point that you have there, especially with the clientele. I mean, the ensemble has a very loyal subscription base and the way yeah. you describe it there, that generations come and, and people go and then you'll see them again. Um, and that comes from your longevity at the place as well. Mm. But uh, what a privileged mm. position to have those relationships with those those people. Um, there's an intimacy there, but but you still, uh, there's that professional relationship also. Yeah, 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 exactly. And I think all of us feel that when certainly the, that intimacy you're talking about is when, you know, there's a there's a fellow leaning up against the bar and I can tell he's not well, he's breathing heavy and he's doing all of that and his wife comes up and says, you know, this is the last time we'll come, I just can't bring him out anymore. He's, you know, it's all of that sort of stuff. So there's there's those, and we all get sad about those, and then usually we get a letter or an email or a card saying, oh, so-and-so's died and I won't be coming. Here's my tickets. Please donate them to the theatre. I can't do it anymore and all that sort of stuff. But there's that intimacy, if you like. But, yeah, there is that well-observed professional thing that you've got to... But it, it is finding a balance. You know, you want... It, 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 at the end of the day, it is... It is um, it, it is the audience that that keeps the theatre going. We present stuff and we present it the best that we can and and the amazing creative team puts it out there, And but it is the patrons, the audience, who come in and buy a ticket and sit down and watch a play. It's great. I think it's, it says a lot about your genial presence and and the care that you have for, for the clientele. Um, when I think of the ensemble, I think of that lovely sign out the front with the, with the light bulbs, I think of the wonderful theatre space in the in the round, and I think of you mm. behind the bar. And whenever I go and you're not behind the bar, I get disappointed. <laughs> yeah, have a day off or so. I was changing, when we used to all do lots of different things, I was changing those light bulbs out the front, and then Reg Livermore was walking down the hill, and as you know, the word says ensemble, but Reg said, you've spelt my name wrong, as I was putting the lights up on the on the 
on the ensemble side. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it is. It's it's um it it is it's um it is a privilege to be able to to be able to do it and and you know look when but yeah yeah I don't know but still you know you still got to the, the, there's still jobs like taking the rubbish out at one a.m. and putting it in the in the bingo skip out the front and it, it, it is finding a balance but you know how lucky are we to be able to 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 when things are running regular you know and running without COVID how lucky are we to be able to do it you know there's amazing that we can you know spend we can we can go and work we can we can go and buy a ticket and go and see something that somebody's written that somebody's portraying and feel about the patron, uh, feel about the, the the story, or feel about the character, or um, follow the story, and or see something that in the theatre that says, "Wow, my I'm like that," or "My auntie's like that," or or you know, or have a laugh, or see some hilarious thing that that is every night. You know that, as you very well know, when you can when it having a script, I would imagine, and if you know that it works and what a great thing it must be to be able to um, know that there's a line coming where you know that that is going to ripple straight up the back to the back row and make everyone laugh and all that. Yeah, if you landed correctly. I suppose there's... Yeah, that's it, that's it. <laughs> yeah, and being able to watch that is is over and over and over again, you know, eight, nine times a week is is to see that happen or to hear it when we're polishing glasses up, the, up in the foyer or something like that after the audience has gone in or that other one where there is that moment where it's silent, complete silence, nobody's moving and they're totally focused to what's going on in there. And again, I think, wow, it might be winter and we're huddled in a little theatre watching this person do that and, you know, there's water underneath that that stage and the water's lapping up and, and you know, it's amazing. It's great. Yeah, yeah. So does your workday start a little bit later because you are working into the evening? Yeah, a bit of both. Um, so Tuesdays and Thursdays, there's usually a matinee. So um, I usually do the matinees and the evening shows, but I drop one evening show when there's two matinees a week. So it's sort of, I try and, well, I, tr I try and hit about, well, you know, the, 37.5 hours but it's usually about 40 42 on a production week it can or not the production week but the first previews when we're setting all the systems up and getting everything done the hours will creep up a bit but yeah usually it's a it's a late afternoon start which is great because i can take the kids to school if there's not a matinee um and um and then i get home about anywhere depending on the length of the show and if everything runs fine and everything's good um uh between midnight and one i'll get home sometime around there and then um if i if i'm doing the matinee the next morning then it's up early and then down to do the matinee but then i won't do that evening show so it's sort of, it, you know it's a juggle but it works it works uh quite well yeah yeah usually <laughs> it's a, a wonderful facility there in, in Kirribilli because you've got that wonderful restaurant, Bailey's, downstairs, which uh, it's so yeah. convenient to be able to go down there and have yes. dinner and then and then up to the show. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Big, and I forget that sometimes, you know. I haven't had dinner downstairs for a while, but sort of once you get there, you're fed and then you come up and see the show. It's that, that, that whole experience, you know, from right from purchasing the ticket and, and the box office um, people, just fantastic 
buy a ticket, go downstairs, have dinner, and then come up and see a show and have a little drink after the show if we're open after the show after COVID and stuff. But it's it's yeah, it's a it's a it's once you're there, you don't have to worry about anything, and that's exactly what we try and do is to get, you know, I want the patron to sit in their seat and not worry that you know that the the, the I don't know, there wasn't enough ice in their gin and tonic or something. I want them to be sitting down and make the actors work a little bit easier so that they're not, you know, the patron's not um, thinking about something else. They, they want to be sat down as a, as a, as a um, maybe a, a, a clean skin, if you like, to be able to sit down and the actor just fill them up with the shows sort of thing. You know? <laughs> what a lovely metaphor. Mm. I suppose at the end of the day, it's the writers who, who write things is the is the seed if you like and then it sort of infiltrates and sends itself out through the through the production team and through the creatives and through the actors and into the patrons and each you know sometimes well a, a, a Hayes thing was you know um i remember him saying many times is that do you, what what one of the jobs of theatre to do, although he said it was the only job of theatre to do, was to send the, the the audience or the giant, if you like, a little bit happier than when they came in. And if that's as simple as it gets, then great, you know, that's really good. If, if we can, as a society, be more, I suppose, human or see our reflections of ourselves, then great, you know, it's a great... Um, ecology for a, a, a great society, you know. You'd be in a great position in the bar there to hear the the chat at interval and and after the performance also, which you can uh, oh, yes. feed back to uh, the the creatives involved, <laughs> the directors, etc. Well, what are they saying, indeed, Jim? That, what are they saying? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, and there's that. There is that. Uh, well, I often say when when uh, and in uh, I often say it. Uh, with the mixture of alcohol as well, you know, you can get uh, a little, um, uh, and I, I do often say that, you know, how doctors have a uh, a um, uh, confidentiality clause. I often uh, think that uh, that uh, a bar person uh, needs a confidential confidentiality clause as well um, <laughs> in regard to some of the things that can go on at the bar, all within the boundaries of a responsible service of alcohol, of course. Yes, of course. Of course. RSA <laughs> now, do qualifications needed to be behind a bar? Indeed, indeed, indeed. Plus, uh, oh, yes, many, many, uh, many other things. But, you know, look, it is, I think, uh, perhaps as a society, we have all become, um, I suppose it is professional, but it, it's, it, it, it always has been professional. But there's, you know, there's, um, there is RSA certificates to do. There's, um awareness um, of people with disabilities and there's all of these great things um, and cultural awareness that's come come that, that, that is because you know it needed it needed to happen so that we be, become more encompassing and more it isn't just a certain type of person who comes to the theater it's it's everybody and we want everybody to come to the theater and again it's sort of I suppose building that ecology if you can you know, win over somebody who hasn't been to the theatre before and you see them come in and they're wide-eyed and, you know, what goes on here sort of thing and then they, they're they hooked and away they go, you know, it's amazing. Yeah, it's great. As I say, and as we say, it's it a it's a privilege to be able to do it. 
Yeah. Um, audiences mm. would be pretty well behaved. I, I think you wouldn't be get too many pickled patrons uh, at the ensemble. I mean, I've worked behind the bar at the, at uh, various venues, uh, State yep. Theatre and the Madge when it was there, and you'd have a rock concert yep. on, so you'd have a particular type of audience who'd like to uh, <laughs> fill, fill up before they, they went in and would become a bit sort of uncooperative occasion. But yes. I imagine um, everyone would be pretty sweet at the, at the ensemble. Yes, yeah. Oh, certainly. It, uh, um, in the training of uh, of uh, staff, I always mention that yes, it is because it is. It, it's fairly periodic. You know, you do your pre-show, your interval, and your after-show. Sometimes it may be, um, and it doesn't happen very often. That you know, as you know, alcohol in in a in a mix does change people's um, personalities sometimes. But it's the amount, and usually the amount at the ensemble is not. It's a couple of glasses of red before you go in to see a show. Or as um, as uh, as uh, the late great Bob Ellis used to walk in to the theatre and and to the straight to the bar with a with a Woolies bag full of newspapers and say, "I'll have a glass." Pass of claret, please, comrade. And you go, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> certainly, certainly. Yeah, certainly. Here's the <laughs> finest claret I could find. <laughs> in in your 30 years, can you recall any any times when things haven't gone according to plan? I mean, do fire alarms go off? Do you get blackouts? Does Do you have a boat oh, smashing yeah. into the side of the building? Or <laughs> Yeah, yeah, all of that stuff and noise from next door and the band and the and the, the the air conditioning stopping and the and the oh yeah yeah as as you would know as well when things uh, go awry it's again that um, and we've just obviously with COVID coming into all of that you, you know it's it's almost I drive I, I, I'm things are changing as as we say every day you know it's finding that finding the um, that flexibility and nimbleness to be able to do it but. And that's where the bar does come in handy, where you can, if the audience, if the if the show does stop for whatever reason, whether it's technical or fire or or um, or whatever it is, and uh, we can always uh, we can always offer a glass of uh, prosecco up at the bar, which um, uh, comes in handy and kind of softens any uh, um, outrageous behaviour. <laughs> yeah, they do stop every now and again, as you know, and it, it's 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 all all the. Um, plans of uh, mice and men or if there's a um uh even the even the smallest thing that can go wrong for instance doesn't happen very often but if there's a cockroach that goes across the stage that's always a little bit tricky or a mouse that's almost a little bit more of a disaster as the animals get a little bit bigger then it all becomes a little bit uh, uh a little bit uh, difficult <laughs> but yeah those big ones that do stop shows if there's illness and those those sort of things it, 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 again it's communicating to to an audience um and you know the theater's only our theater's only 220 people so usually we can uh, communicate to them fairly swiftly uh in that regard but yeah, yeah, show stop and it is, oh my, here we go again and off we go. Yeah. Um, as a kid, what sort of artistic influences did you have? Did, did your family take you to the theatre? Were you uh, in a yeah. drama club at school or visual yeah, arts? No, I know you're no. a painter as well. Yeah, yeah, no, none of that. I didn't, um, it was more, um, we grew up in a coastal town Um my sister and I, and we we were beach going surfing every day, and and um, it was yeah. As I said, it was very um, 
um, was great. It was amazing, freedom and 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 um, completely different from what. In fact, I've just been reflecting about um, my parents, and they grew up in the north of England, and that the childhood that they had was completely different to the childhood that um, I had. It was, you know, wide open spaces, and you know, up early for a surf before school, and and then go to school a bit begrudgingly, but, you know, wanted to see mates and do all that sort of stuff. And um, and then, um, but yeah, there was no influence of, of art, not up until I, I got down to Sydney, I would say. There was certainly things when I, and joining the Navy at 16, you kind of get wrapped up in all of that. It becomes a bit more, um, um as I was saying before, you you the camaraderie and it's um you know you find little bits along the way that 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 you that you read. I think as we touched on before, when you when you go back, you think, oh, actually that was a little bit different. I was a bit <laughs> I was a bit different reading something that no one else was reading when I was seventeen or eighteen. So um and in fact I I sometimes think that. Uh, that you know those the 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 whopper over in western australia my first posting in the navy was over to western australia which was you know completely different from where i'd grown up um well you know it was still australia but um i often think that that was my whopper in regard to not in creativeness but in in the um the the movement of a person from one place to another, removing any links, if you like. It was um, leaving home and going to somewhere far away. Um, and perhaps, you know, that where you've got to stand, you've, you've got to you've got to step up, if you like, because you are then all of a sudden classified, if you like, as an adult, unconsciously, I suppose. And when you do those sort of things, you know, you can you can perhaps be a bit more open, I don't know, a bit more um a bit more open to um, to be able to pick up a book or um, realise that what you're reading or what you're seeing is something that is a classic or it's a it's a it's a um, you know you're feeling for the characters or whatever. I don't know. Maybe that was just a, um, a, a an observation of mine a while back. Yeah, yeah. No, leaving home, you're learning to fly by yourself. And uh, the, the yeah. first time that you're really starting to form your own identity without, you know, influences of, of family members or whatever. And, yeah, and yeah. Who exactly. you are and what you like and, and all yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and sort of it sets up those precedents, if you like, for you to be relying on your own self. Yeah, that's right. That's, yeah, it's, it's good. It's great. Yeah, it was good. But, um, yeah, and then obviously finding out about theatre and doing all that sort of thing, getting back to your original question, did it start? I don't know. I think it just started in, in my own personal landscape, if you like, of trying to find out what other people were doing maybe. I, I, I don't know. But then and coming across a little gold mine along the way or many gold mines um, and, and, then, and then seeing it and going, oh, geez, I wouldn't want to be part of that. That would be great. Yeah. So mum and dad migrated to Australia that was just in, yes. in search of new adventure? Well, they came separately. They never met. Right. Um, they ne ne didn't meet in England. They met in Australia on Lord Howe Island in the 50s. So, And they'd just finished with the Second World War and um, had both gone back to Leeds, which they both 
came from but did not know each other and then um they came to australia and met so it was um that was in the late uh, sorry early 50s so it was um again it was as i say it was a completely different lifestyle that we had compared to what they had um as many immigrants i suppose at that time um you know there was the great upheaval if you like of people who went back after the second world war to their homes and go well actually i I've travelled now with a defence force or I've travelled because I've, you know, I've been to Egypt or I've gone to Singapore or whatever it is and then they go back to their hometowns and then there's a, an element of adventure that they have and I think that's what happened. Then, you know, somebody says, well, I'll give you £10 and you can go to Australia. So they yeah. both did, but in separate ships. So, and uh, yeah, it's it's um, it, it, historically, um, um, you know, uh, my my uh, great uncle uh, once said um, he went through the Second World War as well and came back and, and and then came to Australia and he said, "Do you think we made the right decision?" And it was a sunny, beautiful day and we were down at the beach and you go, "Well, yeah, I think you did." <laughs> <laughs> There's a different light. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Speaking of light, tell me about your visual arts. Uh, and, and when did you get stuck into uh, to painting and discover that you had a uh, bit think, of a talent there? Yeah, I think um, uh, I think it. I used to. Um, it's going to sound a bit strange. I used to measure the tide coming in and out, which was one of my jobs uh, in the navy. It's um, in the hydrographic service, but it was a um, part of um, that. You part of that that part of my work life where we would be sent to an island or probably somewhere up in the Gulf um, to measure the tide coming in and out um, so that, you know, th th there's lots of things to be able to make a chart. And one of them is to know what the tide's doing at certain places on the Earth's surface. Anyway, I had a lot of time on my hands measuring the tide coming in and out because it is an automatic machine, but you'd need to radio it into the ship and all that sort of stuff. Anyway, um, so I think that sort of um, where I had time to observe things that were around me and I started drawing and and um, and, and um, slowing down, if you like, because I think life can get fairly hectic. But I, I think on reflection, it was that particular time where you go, oh, actually, I'll give that a drawing. I'll, I'll, I'll draw that and I'll draw that and I'll have a bit of a go at that. And then one thing leads to another and then you find out about the you know the great um i suppose the great painters of australia and and and, and the greater world and all that sort of thing and their interpretations of, of the visual culture if you like and and then um and then you yeah you just sort of you build a that hand eye coordination of being able to 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 look and put if you like or know what's i suppose at the best of it um yeah, I think to answer your original question, I think it was to do with having the time to observe and then draw, and then it sort of multiplies after that. You become, you hopefully become that you're open to have a skill that you can make good decisions of what's right and what's not working, and have the um, ability to take risks and 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 to take a risk to try something new that if it works, great, it'll be fantastic, but there's always an element that it might not work, and but that's the risk that you've got to take.
yeah. you have to take it. And if you do and it comes off, then you'll be it'll be happy days. Happy days. Because you'll know that you can walk out of the studio after five hours and go, ah, oh, I only did one mark um, that was any good and all the rest were crap. But at least I know that that mark that I did make was great and it was good. What subjects do you favour? Are you a, a landscape artist or portraiture or...? Uh, yeah, I kind of wander around a bit. I'm a bit materials-based, but good question. It's more, I think, I kind of, a, I'm a bit of a collector of stuff. And so I'll I'll be, I'll collect like a bit of wood or a bit of, um, a bit of, uh, a bit of, um, a bit of something or a colour of paint or a, or I was in uh, Vinnie's a couple of months ago and I saw a, a, a tub of, um wax crayons and i thought i'll get those it was five bucks for a, a, a box of uh wax crayons and so it's very materials based and i think oh i could use that and that item and that item together and that would produce this will i put it on board will i paint it will i oh, i've got all that undercoat i could paint that undercoat and then work straight on the top of that because i've collected all these other panels and all that sort of stuff and then I'll go to the art shop and buy some paper and and uh, get the feel of the paper and go, oh, that seems really nice. I think I could do something on that. That piece of charcoal would go really well on that piece of paper, if you like. Uh, sometimes I go into the art shop and I, I kind of look at that big wall of charcoal that they've got all there and all the sticks of charcoal, and I think there's a whole bunch of drawings stacked up in those sticks of charcoal. I've just got to get them out. <laughs> <laughs> I've just got to get the drawing out of that piece of pencil what a lovely way to think of it mm. it's having the um and it is you know you look at some of the great australian painters and seeing a landscape in a different way for sure but um being able to interpret and um and and go well you know look at idris murphy and elizabeth cummings and all these great Australian landscape painters, John Worsley, and all there's a whole bunch and gaggle of them. And you know, way back when, and Sidney Nolan, and all these painters who were interpreting the landscape completely different from 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 anything that had been done before, and and um, and turning it into, well, I suppose, our own. But I, I hesitate to do that because I, you know, you look around the world, especially now with with digital media for us to be able to see what other people are doing. Um, you know, there's there's a whole bunch of, of people who are interpreting the landscape. So is do I do landscape painting? Yes, I do. Um, do I do... Um, um, I don't do portraits. I've never been really good at portraits. I think um, I end up being a little bit sort of not lost, but a little um, materials-based. It is this and this go really well together. I think I could do something with those things. And I like that, those marks that I'm making, whether it turns into something great, if it doesn't, that's okay. I've had, a, it, you know, I want it to be um, playful, if you like, not, not, not difficult. I want it to be experimental or, or all those things, you know, and it may be two bits of cardboard. I've put two bits of cardboard together the other day and I go, they really work. They really work. But, you know, it, you know, I'll do 20 of them. And so I do 20 of them and then, you know, you edit out the ones that 
are not working and then you're left with 10 and then you say, I'm going to do another 10. So you, and then you run out of materials and you've got to go out farming and try and find some more bits and pieces that are the same. So it is that look and put and it's a skill. I suppose like any skill, you, you want to, you want to, um, you, you're on a journey. There's works that I've done that I look back 20 years ago and I go, yeah, nah, nah. And I've painted over them and, and done another painting over the top of them. But but there's a couple of key ones where you go, oh, I think I was at my best at that particular point. Um, but yeah, it's doing it's doing the 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 work to be able to 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 realise that you know there's a whole visual culture out there. Anyway, that's you. That. <laughs> no, I love it. you're like a director casting a show, choosing the right mediums yeah. and the the, the, the equipment that you're going to create. That's with. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're right. It is. It is certainly. It is a bit. It is, yeah, certainly there is elements that are very similar. Um, and as you would know, being cast in the right thing, you know, it, it, um, it makes the, the job, um, you know, you're trying to do something, you're, you're almost there if you've got the right material. You're almost there. It's just it's less of a distance to go, you know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah to get to that sweet spot. Now, when you're at the theatre, yeah. are you superstitious, like like a lot of actors? Oh, yeah, good question. No, I'm not. No, and people no. would say because I'm there usually late at night, on my own, and I shut the doors and I'm doing the banking or whatever it is, and I go to myself. Um, um, if you know, if there was any theatre ghosts, I reckon they'd be out by now. So, but I'm <laughs> I want to do the banking because I want to get home. And uh, but yeah, no, I don't. There's, there's there may be one or two times that that there's something um, a noise that that doesn't equate with normality. But that would be it. That would be it. I don't. Right. And, and indeed, it may be that the it's the as I say, it's the water lapping up underneath the theatre, or it's the it's the, you know a particularly high tide, and I can hear the the waves crashing on the sandstone wall on the other side, or or um all that. That sort of um, yeah, yeah, but it, it's probably more in my imagination than it is anywhere else. So the only spirits are in the bottles behind the bar. That's it. That's it. <laughs> that's it. Although, having said that, I know that some there are some actors, actors in Careening Cove where the theatre is. There's some um, um, families have put some ashes in in Careening Cove, and and sometimes I think to myself as I say, it's late and it's dark and it's cold and it's winter and I'm just locking up, just about to head out the door and I wonder, you know, um, if they were going to come out, they'd come out now for sure. <laughs> Look, and if they did come out, they'd be theatre lovers. So, um, you know, you they'd, be, exactly. they'd be on your, on your side. <laughs> Jim, do you have a yeah, favourite yeah. part of the, of the theatre that you like to inhabit, whether it's side stage, the bar is where you're happiest? Oh, oh gee whiz, that's a good question. I don't know. I kind of, I because I sort of move around a bit. Um, certainly, uh, perhaps the uh, I could say it the other way. The less attractive parts, yep, is usually my office. I prefer to be in the foyer or in behind the bar or watching the show or, you know, certainly going backstage. As you know, would be a pretty sort of. It's one of those spots where you. It's it's um, everything. Uh, I, I I don't know. 
I said to uh, my friend Glenn Hazeldine one time about we were I, I can't remember what we were talking about, but you know, like in a um, bonsai plant, it, it the area around a bonsai plant kind of slows everything down, and it, it becomes quite a um, zen, if you like, area around. You look at a bonsai plant, it kind of slows you down, or it asks you to do that. I think backstage, certainly, I don't know about on stage, but certainly that when the audience is in, I don't uh, that that that's a whole different kettle of fish but that backstage area has certainly got that it's that transition from from i presume being in a green room in your own mind and then walking to go on stage you would know better than i in that regard of of that it is a it's a sort of a silent space it's a quiet space but it's also so would it be a favorite place of mine no but it, it's it's looking it's observing and saying well this is different this is a different part of the theater it's not the foyer you can't be you know noisy and rambunctious up in the foyer and in this backstage area you've got to be quiet and you've got to be mm. you know a little solemn before everyone goes out <clears throat> having said that you would know more stories than i in regard to backstage areas yeah, 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 absolutely. No, I think you've uh, you hit the nail on the head. There are all sorts of fabulous spaces around a theatre. They just have different energies. Um, yes, that's it. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Whether, yeah, whether yeah. you're, you're yeah, sitting you're in the right. back row there in the dark watching what's happening or whether you're in the wings, yep. whether you're in the dressing room, yep. stage door, yeah. or the bar, yeah, which is always yeah. a good place to be yes. as well. <laughs> yes, yes, it is, it is. And that's the bar is also, I get to meet, um, you know, wine reps who come or, you know, distillers who come and they're making these products and they want us to sell them and things like that. And they're, it, you know, it's a whole other journey that they're on, but they arrive with, you know, they want me to buy 20 cases of red and, and, and they've, you know, grown these grapes and they've squeezed them and they've matured them in barrels and, you know, whether it's steel or wood or whatever. And then, uh, uh, and they've turned up at the theatre and you go, wow, this is, you know, it's another, that ecology, if you like, of the wine rep coming or the distiller who's made a fantastic bottle of gin and you go, yeah, well, I can I can get 30 mil of that out of that bottle into a glass with some ice, a piece of lemon and a nice tonic and give it to a patron. And that's the whole line that's happened amazingly. And, and then, you know, the gin and tonic's gone into a paper cup and then sits in the theatre and watches the show sort of thing, you know. And people consume um, food down in Bailey's and, and, you know, the farmer who's grown the lamb, who's put, you know, on the plate, all that. It's that, it's it's sort of a meeting point also of, of different industries. It's a whole, you know, gaggle of stuff that, that comes together and, for somebody to sit down and watch a show. As I say, it's 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 a whole ecology of, of things that come. And some do say that wine is poetry in a bottle or words to that effect. <laughs> Jim, I have well, had Bob Ellis talks to me. Bob <laughs> Ellis used to, did he? What a character. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, indeed. Well there's well, as I say, as we were saying, there was many of them that, that and continue to do that. Um uh you know, present theatre. It's great. It's 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 amazing for that that people line up to do it. It's great, both patrons and actors. 
Jim, what a joy to have this conversation with you. Um, congratulations again on your 30 years at the Ensemble Theatre in, in Kirribilli. Here's to perhaps another 30. <laughs> well, we'll see how we go. <laughs> see how we go. But it's always, a, always a, a great joy to arrive at that theatre and be greeted by your smiling face. So uh, keep up the good work and, and thanks for this lovely chat. Well, thanks very much for uh, thinking of uh, us and me to uh, be able to do it. Thanks, Peter. My guest today was Front of House Supervisor at the Ensemble Theatre in Kirribilli and visual artist Jim Birch. Thanks for joining us in this episode. You can check out all of the episodes featured in the podcast thus far by visiting our website www.stagespodcast.com.au and don't forget you can follow us on our socials at Instagram and Facebook. I'm Peter Ayers. Keep well, keep warm, stay safe and I'll catch you next time.